today, the Lord asked me to pitch, but we need some catchers out there. Are you ready to catch? Are you ready to receive what the Lord has for you? You have to be open and have an expectation that I'm going to receive. We can't just come to church without an expectation. God wants us to have an anticipation, to have an expectancy, because the things that we receive spiritually cause us to become strong, and they change our life. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, bless his holy name. We're talking about raising our emotional health. It's the work of God in our soul. And it's our spirit that is the catcher. It catches the word of God. It is filled with the spirit of God. And with our spirit filled, we begin to reign in our emotions. We begin to reign in the random thoughts. We begin to look at our circumstances differently. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We can get up in the morning and feel like, oh, I don't even want to get out of bed. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit in a believer that begins to raise them up, that begins to rise them up, and you start changing the idea or what your day looks like because the Holy Spirit is in us and He's with us. So get your catchers mid-open. Man, I watched the pitcher, and he's pitching, you know, and he's focused on it like he's going to strike out the guy or whatever. But I look at the catcher. He's got a step down. He's always squatting. He's always watching. He, he's not even seem like he's looking at whether the guy's going to hit or miss. He's looking at where the ball is. God wants us to receive what he has for us. Let's pray. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's cry out to God. Lord, in these few moments, we pray for the word of God to come clean into our heart. We're asking that our spirit would grow in its supernatural strength, that we would rise up and overcome the things that are in this world that, that seek to destroy and separate us in our faith cause us to rise up out of the lies of the enemy, over the lies of our past and the places that we've been restricted and hindered, over the condemnation that Satan keeps throwing at us. Lord, I thank you that no matter what he says to our mind, no matter what he does to our emotions, we are righteous by the blood of Jesus, not by anything we could do. We are not condemned by our past. We are not limited by our past, but it is the power of your spirit that causes us to live a resurrected life and an overcoming life. As you can tell, I'm a little bit excited today. Colossians 1, 27, in him we live and move and have our being, or uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. In, remember the chocolate chip cookie last night? Cookie with chocolate chips? Chocolate chip cookie is the chocolate chips are in us. God is in us. We're in him. We're no longer just walking with him, but he's walking in us. It should encourage your faith of who's in you. And you say, well, I don't feel that up to you. It's okay. You are going to pump up your spirit by your relationship with Jesus, by the word of God. You're going to cause your spirit to become stronger and stronger, and it's going to counter your emotions. It's going to counter the circumstances that you find yourself in. It's going to counter the negativity that you feel in your life. Our key verse today is Psalms 50, 23, kind of tracking with this Thanksgiving season. He who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me. And he who orders his way aright, who prepares the way that I may show him, to him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. Isn't that what we need in the restoration of our emotional health and, and getting rid of our attitudes, uh, addressing those things that have affected us negatively, looking at addressing those things that still affect our relationships today, maybe even something that happened in the past in our family or in our marriages that affects how we relate to our spouse or, or those family members today. That's what God wants to change. And it's our faith in God, the sacrifices of our praise. It's stirring up the soul for us to rise above what we're feeling and say, no, soul, 
There's more than just your feelings. There's more than what your circumstances are doing to you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of change, the hope of the resurrection life, the hope that something's going to be different. Oh, I can't get, I can't, I get excited. My page, if I can get to page eight today, I'm hoping you guys are going to be flying around the room. <laughs> you know, I've been talking about raising our emotional health and been touching on just embracing grief and, and the losses in our lives. Again, uh, Isaiah 53, Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus had a way of connecting with his pain. He, was, he had the ability to live in the moment. He dealt with feelings and emotions in the moment. Have we embraced the griefs and losses in our life? Again, what are we in denial about? What are we pushing out of the way because we've been so hurt and devastated by it that we just put it out of the way? That thing has to be dealt with for you to walk in a freedom and a liberty. You've got to process those negative things that have happened. Jesus, when dying on the cross, talk about a man of faith and, you know, how we're trying to encourage each other. He's dying on the cross. He did not act religious right before he died and say, just praise the Lord. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be good. No. No, what did Jesus say in Matthew 27, 46? About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's dealing with the current emotions that we find ourselves in, dealing with those circumstances that arrest our emotions, that put us into anger and bring great frustration to our life. Jesus knew how to live in the reality of the moment. A man full of faith, a man who was the son of God, a man who was all God in, a, in an earthen body, and yet he knew how to process his humanity. He knew how to feel his emotions and to express the disappointments and sorrow he himself found himself in. So give yourself permission to grieve over those emotions, to begin digging that mountain, to begin uh, addressing those things that are still having effect and causing influences over how you think and, and feel today and how you relate to yourself and, and people and God. We don't even want to think or admit someone got over on us, someone used us, someone took advantage of us, and we could not stop it from happening. So we hang on to it, and we call it anger. We call it self-righteousness. We call it, it's, it's a right we have to hold on to something, because if we don't hold on to our anger, we can't really hold on to how we were violated or victimized. In Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let sin go down on your wrath. Again, he's saying no longer is there to be roots of bitterness and anger in our life. That right now from this moment on, we're going to determine to deal with everything that makes us angry. And every time we're triggered with anger, we are determined that we are going to address whatever root it's triggering. Whatever sign is showing that there's something deeper in our life. Why? Because God wants us to be healthy emotionally. God wants us to be, be able to have joy. And when our soul is free, and, and it's connected with the growth of the Spirit in our lives. We find that the gifts of God enable us to begin to, to minister and to be in a place of up, upbeat and, and be able to a place where we're operating in the Holy Spirit and we're using our real-life circumstances and what has happened in our life to affect other people. And we come out of just being victims to being overcomers. Anger is the prison guard of our emotions. No one will ever get in to hurt me again. We call the guard protective custody, but anger also keeps us away from God, others, and potential emotional and health, health and freedom. Again, 
We can protect ourselves, but also we're keeping ourselves from the healing that God has ordained for us. Do you guys ever check your emotions when you have attitudes, when there's anger, when there's negative feelings? Check. Ask the Holy Spirit, okay, this is my moment. How can I get free from those feelings right now that are causing me to be subdued, disconnected? Unresolved grief and loss mask itself by stealing our will. We can say everything is okay, but we're shut down and disconnected. The, the scripture that says take every thought captive means grab hold of the attitudes that are so under the surface with what we're thinking. And it's those attitudes are, are really the, the significant key to really what's going on in our emotional health. Attitudes reflect there's something deeper that must be dealt with. And God is a God who's present in our time of trouble. He's present to help us. And so to renew our mind and to take every thought captive means I'm going to get a hold of my emotions. I'm going to have a, a deeper freedom that's working in my life, that I'm not captive again to things of the past. We will not grieve. We will not, grieve, we will not look at our losses unless there is hope that we can, we can have some changes happen. We want to be happy. When you think of the Declaration of Independence, to be able to have the pursuit of life, liberty, you know, that's ideal. That's not real. The American Declaration of Independence, that, that preamble, it's not real. We cannot do everything we can to have life, liberty, and happiness. Because when we get everything, like the house of cards, when we get everything leaning, we have maybe moments of happiness, then something blows on it. Some circumstances goes in and it's all flat. And we're left in devastation and loss. But the Bible says in Christ we have hope. In Christ we have joy. That there's something that's going to be stable and it's going to come from my relationship with Jesus. It's going to come from leaning on Him and not leaning on trying to do everything myself because my constitution says I have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our pursuit of happiness comes by pursuing Jesus by pressing into Jesus, by pressing into our pain, our grief, our loss, our anger, our disappointment, our frustration. Many relationships in this house can change. Many marriages can change as we start pressing in and realizing, like, even when a couple gets together, they're going to clean their house. It's not fun. When you let your house go and it's dirty, it's not fun to start dirtying, to start cleaning up those things. But when you start working, as you start seeing the house get cleaner, when you start dealing with those emotional issues that you've just skirted over and you're walking by and passing each other, you know, and just barely even saying hi, but more like grumbling at each other, then you begin to take away the pile and you begin to bring this place where you can have this reconnection in your relationship. Take out the trash so that you can have a restored relationship. In Matthew 5, 4, this is the process of grieving and loss that Jesus even told us. Jesus said that we will be happy after we grieve. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Hmm, sowing, reaping. I'm going to grieve. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to grieve today. I'm going to have joy tomorrow. Our emotions do, do not stay in the same place unless we don't deal with what's keeping our emotions in that box or in that negative place. We have depression, anger, and that disconnection until we grieve. Real people grieve life. Remember last week we talked about psalms that over 50% over of the psalms are laments, which are expressions of grief and sorrow. 
And when you look at the Psalms, they're the reality of people's real circumstances and how they view them and how those circumstances have, have affected their life. Listen to this. Theology professor Walter Brugman said that Psalms can be divided into three types. Orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. Orientation means to align or position, to adjust to a situation. And so it's that act of what happens in a circumstance to us that starts creating a belief system, creating feelings of hopelessness, powerlessness, or power. Our experiences set up something in, in ourselves. The first are songs of orientation, where we enjoy God and his creation and blessings, delight in his goodness, and enjoy a rich sense of well-being and joy in him. And there's times where, you know, we're just overwhelmed with the blessing of God. There's times we come out, thank you, God, for the rain. The air is so fresh. Thank you for the beautiful sun. There are things we rejoice and get glad in. That's an orientation that's spiritually for us. Like, God is good. God cares about us. You know, we have food to eat. We have clothes to wear. God is good. Here's the first example of orientation. Psalms 30, verses 1 through 6. I'm reading out of the, out of the NIV. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Amen. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Ever have those moments where you're on the top of the mountain, you're connected with God? everything seems wonderful. That happened to me this week. I mean, I got up a couple times. God was getting me up at 4.15, and he was just downloading stuff to me, and I was connected with him. And then Thursday, man, he again, he got me up, and I'm just like flying with God. You know, he's speaking to me and, and just giving me all kinds of stuff. And then I got, man, I'm going to get two hours into to church early. I'm going to get my message really done today. Got into the shower, turned that valve, and it broke off in my hand. <laughs> Can't shut the water off. Um, you can't get a hold of the city. You have to go to the fire department. Five guys come in a big truck to shut your water off at the main. Wow. But, you know, that's my orientation. God is good. Get in the shower. This is not good. I'm losing my time today. So the, the second are songs of disorientation. Seasons of hurt, suffering, dislocation. Written when the bottom falls out. And we wonder, what's happening? And God, where are you? The next example is Psalms 30, verses 7 through 10. It's interesting that in my reading and praying, I mean, God gave me, out of one psalm, all the examples of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. Lord, when you favored me, okay, he's already talking. I'm in the pits right now. Things are not going good. Lord, when you favor me, you made my royal mountain stand firm, but, oh wow, here it goes. We're going into disorientation. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. 
To you, Lord, I call to the Lord, and I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silent? You know, he's trying to put a little pressure on God. Come on, God, I'm just a, like a little worm here. What are you going to get out of my suffering? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Come on, Lord, lift me up again. I'm going to be the one that's praising you. Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me, Lord. Be my help. That's disorientation at its worst. We cry out sometimes, refusing to accept my, our circumstances. Here's number three. Third are the Psalms of reorientation. When God breaks in and does something new, this is when joy breaks through our despair. Healing, victory. God's strength is seen in the places where we've been weak. And we know, wow, something has happened, something good. Psalms 30, 11 through 12. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. I remember had great ideals and great expectations. I wish I'd have known these three things, three things, you know, 30 years ago, 33 years ago. I wish I would have known about orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. When I prayed for a wife for 10 years and I connected with my wife, I was so ecstatic. My prayers were answered. I was singing praises, so I was singing all the time as I was dating Dory. But when we married and we started dealing with our differences, oh, I went into disorientation. <laughs> I lived in disorientation for about five years. I had tears and I cried out to the Lord and he didn't say anything to me. When my ideal broke, I was saying, God, you ordained this. You spoke to us. We even offered ourselves to the pastors. God, do you, pastors, is there any reason why we should not be married? No, we feel like so. This is God's will. I remember one day we were at the, her ministry house where she lived under with her pastors. Uh, we were sitting on the couch, and this we were, it was a Sunday night, and the Holy Spirit fell on us. I've never felt the Holy Spirit fall on me so heavy as like, here, here we are. We're engaged. We're going to get married in a few months. Such an approval that God was with us. Such a wow, an orientation. Oh, this is going to be heaven on earth. Amen. Then she realized this is not who I thought I was marrying. And then I realized she is not who I thought I was marrying. And we started working on stuff. We started fighting and disagreeing. And our differences started working on each other. But what held us was our promise that God had given us, that we were to, to be with each other. And our commitment that we made on that wedding day with that three and a half hour sermon. We had three pastors. Dory had some of her friends listen to our tape. They were cracking up. How did you guys live so long under in this ceremony my brother-in-law had to go out and shave you know uh, it was it was it was like the an enduring thing we had to stay committed it was such a long period uh, of just getting married man death grief and loss make up this life's experience you know it took a long time for me to realize i was walking home the other day realizing wow I have such a high ideal in my life. I had such a high ideal coming to Christ that there'd be no problems. In fact, I see so many times in my life, I, instead of dealing with disappointment, I just kind of pushed it out of the way. Almost like part of me 
trying to keep this ideal belief system to, to cover God. Like, like I would have to cover him in my emotions because I'm dealing with something that's negative in my life. Negative things happen. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world. Come on, Jesus, why did you have to make that scripture real? Why did you have to have that written in the Bible? In John 12, 24, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. In the processes of disorientation, when those negative things are happening, it says that God is working a far greater eternal weight of glory for us. Although when you're in disorientation, it doesn't feel that way. As I was waiting for the plumber to come on Thursday and knowing my daughter was going to come home from work and she wanted her shower, I was thinking, oh God, where is the plumber? <laughs> there is life after grief and loss. In Isaiah 61, there was a promise fulfilled in Luke, I think it's 4. Jesus came to take us from our prison, the prison of our past losses. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. Are you bound today? Admit it to him. Look at those places of grief. Look at those places of loss. Feel the pain. Be overwhelmed like, oh my Lord, it is an overwhelming thing. Isaiah 61, 2 and 3. Jesus came to comfort all who mourn. So there's a comfort if you start digging in the past, you start grieving those losses and those things that you've been in denial. You have this as a promise. He will come and comfort you. He will come and change your spiritual life. He will come and heal your wounded soul. He will put love where all you feel is hate, resentment, anger, bitterness, rage. In those places you're afraid to even touch, because you're afraid if it's going to pop, you might get angry. You might do something you, you're afraid of. Pray. Ask God to give you grace to start digging the mountains. He will come for all who mourn in Zion, all those in the kingdom of God, all those called by his name to give them beauty for ashes. Do you have some ashes in your life? Are some dreams and hopes that have burned to nothing and you're living in despair and denial? and you're disconnected. He'll give you beauty for those ashes. The oil of joy, which is the Holy Spirit that comes in and begins to wash away the pain and the emptiness and the loneliness and the sorrow and the discouragement and the lack of vision for your life and, and wondering what is ever going to come of my life. I've lost so much. Is there any hope that I'll change? And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that in the midst of heaviness, while you're dealing with your grief and your loss, God will allow you to grab hold of a garment of praise. And as that opening psalm says, as we begin to give the sacrifices of praise, there's a new strength that comes into us. There's a garment of praise of God's presence that comes around us that helps us as we deal through those losses and those griefs and those disappointments. And many of us have disappointments in ourselves, things that we've done, that we failed. We've failed people. We've failed family members. We've failed ourselves. But God wants to heal us and restore us. When we try to live life on our own, or when we even try to live life in denial, there is great frustration, great heaviness that we live with. 
You know, when we were living in disorientation, waiting for reorientation, we're living in the confusing in-between times. We're living before reorientation where God comes through and we have answers and we have a little wisdom about what we've gone through. And it doesn't hurt as much as it used to hurt. I think of Joseph. He had a dream. His orientation was God was going to make him a great ruler. All of his family were going to be bowing down at his feet. He became disoriented when his family rejected him and they sold him as a slave. And he found himself in prison for a number of years. It was 15 years before he experienced that reorientation where he became a ruler in Egypt and God restored his family. And he dealt with the deep loss that he had had of being disconnected from his brothers. And he was able to forgive them and be reconnected to his father. I think of Jesus, you know, miraculous birth. The promises all the way through the Old Testament that Jesus was coming, the Savior was coming. Jesus was born under great glory and honor and the angel visitations on the shepherds and all the miraculous things that happened through a virgin birth. And then Jesus goes 30 years into obscurity. The in-between times. I've prayed, I've cried out to God, but you're not doing anything. Please don't give up prematurely. Don't give up before the answer comes, before the miracle happens. What is your story in the life in between? You're in between something right now. You have a hope for something. Maybe you don't even have a hope right now. But what will God do? What does God want to do in your life? From birth to death, those seasons of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. When we're born again, that's our edge. When we're reconnected to God through Jesus Christ, that is our spiritual edge. That's what's going to see us into being reoriented. That's, when again, that's what's going to bring us out of disorientation and the trials and tribulations of life. That's where sickness finds a place of restoration. Bene beginnings have good endings. Death sees a resurrection. The restoration of the work of the soul as you're seeing and looking at the death, the, the death that has happened, the losses that you've had in your life that you haven't grieved, when the happiness returns and the joy returns, the time between Christmas and New Year. In the in-between times, God is building our character. He's developing the fruits of the Spirit of patience and love and peace, kindness, In 1 John 3, 2, John, the disciple of Jesus, wrote, Dear friends, now we are the children of God, right now. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It's Jesus that wants to heal the wounds of the soul. It's Jesus that wants to live, lift up the encouragement of our hearts. Hope is what we need in these times we're in the in-between. We haven't seen the change yet, but we're getting pretty dissatisfied with where we're at in our life, especially in our, our feelings and our emotions. 
In Philippians 1.6, Paul wrote, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not like a contractor that'll flake on you or we run out of money when we're doing a remodel. He invested everything to see that we could come into completion and wholeness. And so he could be trusted and relied on to take us through the process. And even when we start the process and sometimes it gets too much and we stop for a while, God will be faithful to help us pick it up again when it's time and work on those things. It's neat to know that work goes on by the Holy Spirit while we're living in the in-between times. We're being molded, conformed, and changed into his image. We're not where we were, but who are we in this moment right now? We are different. It takes our faith. And really the biggest thing on Sundays is the messages and what I really pray and our hope to do as we come together is that your faith will be encouraged. So that when you go out those doors, you're drawing on something more than what you see and what you feel. You're drawing on a deep faith that got started when you accepted Jesus Christ. There was a great tree planted, the tree of faith in your life. And out of that tree, it can be developed so strong that you're able to overcome every circumstance and everything that comes against you. In Romans 10, 17, the, the first scripture that really connected Dory to me, that made her stop at a juvenile hall meeting and look at me, is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That the word of God gives you something to hang on to when you don't see anything to hang on to. That when you have nothing to grab onto, there's a deep taproot of faith in your soul that has gone so down, so deep in God, that it holds you as a rock. And you're able to go through difficult circumstances. You're able to get up and go to work every morning or face something that seems like it's not going to change. And that's because you have faith that you've been invested in. God has invested in you and he trusts the faith that he put in you because he knows it won't fail. In Mark 1.39, it says that Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, which brought faith. And he was driving out spiritual opposition, the demonic influences that were all around people and circumstances and situations in this natural world. And I tell you, that's what Jesus does today. The Holy Spirit in you comes to stand against every spiritual opposition that opposes your growth, your freedom, your potential. There's a spiritual opposition to your life, especially when you put on Jesus Christ. Now there's that big target on you, and the enemy is not happy with you. Even as you begun to walk, some of you begun to walk with the Lord, and there's a lot of opposition for you to say, this is all baloney, I don't understand it, I want to get out. Hang on, because the spiritual strength that's going to overcome the enemy that's against your life, and especially against your spiritual life and your future, does not want you to buy into faith or buy into the Word of God or be part of the body of Christ. But I tell you, that's where your hope and your salvation is. Jesus is still a deliverer today, but His power and presence comes to live inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And that's how we overcome. I talked about compassion for a few minutes last week, that Jesus had compassion, and you can get a hold of Him when you get in touch with your real emotions. And when you are allowing yourself, when your soul gets to a place where you cry out to God, there's ability to touch God. In Mark 1.40, a leper came to Jesus, begging him on his knees and saying to him, 
If you are willing, you are able to make me clean. The definition of begging is to ask a favor in a heartfelt, humble, earnest way, even in a humiliating way. Have you ever begged God for something? Have you ever gotten so real with God in such a desperation for something to change that you went into a whole new dimension and you begged, you cried out, and you reached from something so deep within you that you never really realized that you had asked for something before? That's what God can be touched. In Mark 1.41, And being moved with compassion, pity, sympathy, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be made clean. I can remember in those, those last the two years, it was almost two years ago, when I can remember being in the in-between times waiting. I was, my cataracts were not bad enough to get worked on, but I couldn't see very good at all. My wife was telling me, you shouldn't even drive anymore. And I remember being on the couch one evening, and I, I prayed, you know, I know how to pray. I've prayed, asked God, you know, come on, God, I need something happen here. But I remember laying on that couch, and I remember crying out from a place that was so deep. I cried out two times in prayer that God would restore my eyesight. And I asked him specifically, give me better than 2020. Well, now that I have my new corrective lenses, I'm 2015. You know, God hears, he answers prayer. I don't know, there's no formula, but I tell you, there's just something when you touch Jesus when you allow him to keep working in your life and working on those disappointments and everything that you're going through, Jesus is not finished with me. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with us. Keep your expectancy of faith. Keep your faith. In Luke 1, 5-7, in the days when Herod was king of Judea, there was a certain priest whose name was Zechariah of the daily service, the division of Abiah, and his wife also was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they both were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child. For Elizabeth was barren, and both were far advanced in years. Talking about having every strike against you, they had the long season of being in disorientation. Here he was, the priest, called from his family. From generation, his family was in the priesthood. His duty and responsibility was as a minister in the house of God, in the synagogue, in the temple. And he was over the incense, which represents the prayers that go out. Outside, while he was offering incense at that hour, there were all the people praying in the temple. Who knows what they were asking for? Zechariah himself, Zach, as a priest, had prayed a long time and had been praying about the barrenness in his life, about not having a child. In Luke 1, 8 through 10, Now on, on duty, serving as a priest before God in order of his division, as was the custom of the priesthood, he fell, it fell to him by lot to enter the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And all the throng of people were praying outside in the court at the hour of incense burning. Incense, prayer, people praying his prayers. In the times of disorientation, when your prayers have gone up, 
You've maybe even cried out, but you haven't seen the answer. You haven't had the miraculous visitation of the Holy Spirit doing what you've cried out for. Comes a miraculous spiritual encounter. In Luke 1, 11 through 13, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear took possession of him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer was heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you must call his name John. God is favorable. Here it is. We can be involved with spiritual things. To be can be even be a minister, but be shocked when God shows up. I think that shows the state of our five senses, our soul being connected in this life. Here we are having Jesus living inside of us. The Holy Spirit, the power who raised Jesus from the dead, is just idling inside of us and be walking in unbelief. We gotta stay in faith. We have to keep believing. Answers to our prayers are in God's hands. And he is faithful and he has pity and mercy and compassion on us. Luke 1, 18 and 19. And Zechariah said to the angel, By what shall I know and be sure of this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Obviously, he's in disorientation. He's asking for something. Here he gets a word from God. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think if an angel visited me with a message from God, I'd be convinced. I'm serving in the temple. I'm thinking if an angel came and visited me, I would be convinced it's a done deal. My miracle's here. But we could be so stuck and so disconnected that we don't realize that the Holy Spirit is bringing our answer. Zachariah was in that place. Let me ask you this qu- some questions. What makes us stop believing? Is it age? Is it long time in being in that place of disorientation because of life circumstances? Is it thoughts or feelings? Is it feeling like God doesn't care for you? I know Satan's good about, about echoing that, especially when you're in a long time thing. God doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you. Brother. What about seeing real op- obstacles to the word that God gave you or the promise? other Christians' circumstances. Oh yeah, he didn't do it for so-and-so. He won't do it for me. We're such sheep. We follow everyone. Crowds, fads. Oh, that person prayed. He died of that. So? I'm not him. He's not me. I'm still alive. Passivity, unbelief, laziness, discouragement. And the angel replied, to Zach. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God, and I have been sent to talk to you and to bring you this good news. He was so discouraged he could not even receive the good news. You are now going to get pregnant. You are now going to have a son. Barrenness is out the window. Unfortunately, Zach has some consequences for unbelief. Luke one twenty. Now behold, Gabriel says, you will be and will continue to be silent and not able to speak 
till the day when these things take place because you have not believed what I told you. You know what silence speaks of? And our voice being stolen, it means to me the silence of our testimony, the shutting down of our witness. And when we don't have a witness, we are not walking in faith, and people are not being affected by what God is doing presently in our life. Zach's faith was stopped by that disorientation of barrenness that they had as a couple. Unbelief was his worst enemy concerning barrenness. God also brings up the timing because there's a timing also in our life and what God's doing and all the things that he's doing, the restoration of our soul, the growth of our spiritual life and the growth of our, in our spirit. And in Luke one twenty, the angel Gabriel continues, but my words, there are words from God because he's just a messenger, are of a kind which will be fulfilled in the appointed and proper time. Almost like in our disorientation of our circumstance, we can have this hope that, oh, wait a second, I may not see my answer, but who am I connected with? Who is living inside of me? That, yeah, things are not happening as as quick as I want, but I want to stay in faith. I want to stay open and not necessarily be limited by my circumstances, but my hope is in God, and I live a life of faith. I live in this active life of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And circumstances, though they can affect me, they do not rule over me because I am a spirit-born person. I'm alive in spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly downloading into me, and I can rise above my circumstances. I can rise above attitudes and negative feelings that are often attacking my emotions. Old people, old Christians, believers in adverse circumstances, it may not be too late. You may have been passed by. It just not might, it just might not be God's time yet. Now you have to grab onto this. We're in page eight. You've got to grab a hold of this. You've got to grab a hold of this. Christ is in you. He's in you. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you're born again. He's in you. The Holy Spirit, the one to resurrect Jesus from the dead, he's in you. Now, when I first talk about this, only women are going to have an understanding. Luke one twenty four. After this, Zach's wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months. She remained in seclusion. You know what the definition of pregnant is? Carrying a developing fetus within the uterus. A fetus is unborn. That means potential, purpose, not yet birth. I tell you, you are full, you are pregnant with purpose. There's a fulfillment. There's something God's doing in your life, and that you should have an expectancy. You're not done yet. I don't care how old you are. And I believe even this story about Zachariah being old, Elizabeth being old, is for you to get excited about what's in you. You women who have carried a baby, you know what it is to be pregnant. You feel that baby. You're nurturing that baby. You're going to carry that baby to term, and it's going to come out and be born, and there's going to be life. I tell you, from the moment we receive Jesus Christ, there's a pregnancy in us. We are alive with potential. We are alive by the Spirit of God. If you are in a sickness or disease or circumstances, you are not limited because you are pregnant. You have the Holy Spirit in us. And when you think about Adam, he was pregnant also because it was out of Adam that Eve was taken out of him, and he was made. 
there's an ability, there's a creative life that's in us through Jesus Christ that circumstances try to limit, that the activity of the enemy and the world system tries to suppress us as believers. And we think we're done. We sin. We think we're done. We have a failure. We think we're done. We, we have someone no, near us die or leave, and we think we're done. That is not it. God is it. If Christ be in you, you have a hope of glory. You have a hope of something changing. We are pregnant with the Lord. It does not yet appear what we will be. It does not yet appear when that promise is going to come to pass. Hey, Savannah, you're pregnant. The Holy Spirit is in you. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to work resurrection life in you. Jack, you said in that testimony, I heard a couple of times when that, when that helicopter was falling apart and you landed in that base and the, the, the maintenance guy come out and says, it's impossible that you landed. There was no controls. There was impossible that you landed. You knew because you felt like the Holy Spirit picked up that helicopter at one point and you flew home. You knew it was God. It wasn't just for you to you work in the SLE. Do you know God's purpose of saving you? Jack, God wants to know you in a deeper way. I was on my heart since early this morning. Jack, God wants to know you in a deeper way. He just doesn't want your service. He wants to know you, Jack. He loves you in a way that's so deep, and the Holy Spirit's in you, and he wants to nurture a deeper relationship. You have great value, not by what you did and sacrificed only through Vietnam and what you lost and what you're trying to give back, but because you are a son of God and you were called. You were called with a higher purpose. You were called. We all have a great purpose. Don't be limited by your circumstances. Don't be limited by the world, what the world tells you. Don't be limited by your pain in your back, the pain in your body. God wants you to get up. God wants a resurrection life. God wants you to begin to thank God, to begin to praise God. Why? Because he's your healer now. Even before you feel, feel a physical change, Christ is in you. He's the hope of glory. Will you stand with me? Will our worship team come? We have five minutes. If you need prayer, if you need to accept Jesus, but grab a hold of this. Lord, we just pray for the activity of your Holy Spirit to help us to grab hold of this, of this condition inside of us, that there is fruitfulness, that there are things going on that are supernatural, that there are miraculous, that there's a change given to us because of the Holy Spirit to resurrect us, to not let us be affected by our past. And I pray that every person would feel and experience overcoming and experience a new realm of faith and experience changes. Lord, let next week there be testimonies of what, God's, what you're doing. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name.